You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Four River Smokehouse, now through October 31st, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store, online, or by phone using promo code GATORSBREAKDOWN. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Previewing Florida, Missouri, this Saturday night in the swamp. Special uniforms, blue helmets, all that good stuff going on for homecoming for the Gators. As they host the 2-2 two two Tigers, Gators sitting at 2-1, uh, of course, after a couple of weeks off. So, so many questions surrounding this game and where this Gator program is heading into this game versus Missouri. Uh, and to break it all down from the Missouri side, is going to be Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com. We've had him here well, before on Gators Breakdown, uh, breaking down the Tigers. He's going to do it again uh, for, for for this episode. So uh, a team that's kind of fighting their way uh, after an 0-2 start. So an improving team, and we'll see what all happens on, on Saturday night. We're going to preview it here on this episode of Gators breakdown so uh, of course just uh, recruiting has been out there so go back and check out the last couple episodes uh, of Gators Breakdown we talked recruiting uh, you know Jeremiah Williams recently committed to Florida and we got a big recruiting preview with Corey Bender from Rivals and uh, of course go back to Monday when Neil Blackman Malik Grady joined Will Miles and I with a you know kind of you know does how we see COVID uh, affecting this Gator team uh, moving forward there so a lot of episodes this week, of course. Get back into the three-episode-a-week routine uh, here on Gators Breakdown since it's finally game week again. But uh, a lot a lot of content out there right now. And remember, you can find it all at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there as well as news for jacks coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show on YouTube if you're watching there. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. And if you're... Normally watching the YouTube version and you want that audio version, check us out on your favorite podcast platform. You can take Gators Breakdown with you on the go. Follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And joining us now here on Gators Breakdown is Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com on the Rivals Network. Gabe, uh, two and two on the season so far for the Tigers after a, a sluggish start to the season. Looks like they're starting to get their foot footing a bit. First two weeks looked like a new coach that hadn't really had an off season that took over a roster that probably didn't have much talent. And then the last two weeks, you know, they're building monuments and uh, and fitting people for rings. So, uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of the way it's going across the SEC, really. I mean, every week just you kind of throw it in a hat. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. You go back to Florida and after week one, you know, people are putting them in the playoff. And then two weeks later, <laughs> they're losing to Texas A&M. So as you said, it's, uh, it's a crapshoot right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Alabama's clearly number one. Yep. Uh, Vandy's clearly number 14. And then other than that, there's a little bit of separation, but I, I don't think there's a ton of separation between like three and 
13, honestly. Absolutely, absolutely. Here, so I talked to you at the end of uh, spring. That's the last time I, I talked to you. And we just didn't know a whole lot about uh, Eli Drinkowitz, and you know, yeah. since there was no spring ball, what's impressed you the most uh, for, from him early on this season? Well, uh, a couple things. First of all, and I think most importantly, the last two weeks they have won games in two completely different ways. Um, he talked about after the LSU game, which was obviously a shootout. They threw for you know, 406 yards, gave up 400 and some odd yards passing too. But he talked about how going into that week, they had seen some things on tape where they thought they could use play action and and go down the field against LSU. They did that, um, made the secondary look really bad. And and actually with a a group of backup receivers, two of their uh, starting three receivers were in quarantine for that game. And then they come back after, uh, you know, week off that that they hadn't obviously planned on, but face Kentucky in a game where they do basically completely the opposite. They did not complete a pass more than 20 yards downfield, only threw three all day, held onto the ball for 43 minutes and basically took the approach we're not going to hand Kentucky the football and we're going to find out if they can beat us. And uh, the way somebody put it on our message board, which was probably the best I've seen is they out Kentucky, Kentucky, you know, won a a 20 to 10 game, which really wasn't anywhere near that close. Um, They, they dominated, they ran 92 plays and Kentucky ran 36. Larry Roundtree actually had more carries in that game than Kentucky had offensive snaps. So, um, you know, that was domination start to finish and they found different ways to do it. And he is, scheming this team right now to results that are above its talent. And part of that is, you know, now turning to uh, quarterback uh, Connor, Connor Bazelak, seeing the, the team has and the offense has turned the corner with him leading the charge there. What's he's, what, what has he brought to the table that, that he you know, just has seemed to infuse the offense? Well, he just seems nothing really seems to rattle him. I, I'm not going to say he's always he threw a bad pick against Tennessee. He had a, a sack with with a fumble he shouldn't have committed against LSU. So Skid hadn't been perfect. I mean, this this weekend will be his fourth career start. And one of them was the season finale against Arkansas last year in which he tore his ACL in the second, the second quarter. So he didn't really play much of that. Um, but he just looks in the pocket like a guy that is completely calm his his feet don't really move until they have to he seems pretty willing to just take what's open if hey if that's a 50 yard pass you know down the middle of the field he'll take it but if it's just a a little six yard route on third and five he's taking that too um he looks like a guy who's been doing this a lot longer than four games and the really impressive part is he was a wishbone quarterback in high school his season high for passes thrown in a season, I think was 134, which uh, he's not quite there yet, but he'll probably be there after this week. And I'd probably uh, go back and, as you said, it doesn't move his feet unless he has to, but uh, one of Dan Mullen's favorite phrases is a willing runner, and that probably comes back from his high school days. Right. He can run the football. And I don't, when I say it didn't move his feet unless he has to, I don't mean he's not mobile. I just right. mean, He's a guy that just kind of, you know, he looks so relaxed in the pocket. There's no happy feet. There's no jumping around. He takes the snap. He turns, and, and he generally has found his guy. Um, you know, 29 for 34, I think, against LSU. Uh, forget the exact numbers against uh, against Kentucky, but he had a pretty good completion percentage in that game as well. So, you know, just a guy that has so far seemed pretty willing to uh, to just do what they're giving him. No, all right, and of course, running back Larry Roundtree, career high game last week, 37 carries, 126 yards, two touchdowns versus Kentucky. Game, man, it just seems to be that, that steady force for the Tigers offense. 
He, he's a guy that, and I thought it was interesting after each of the first two games, Drinkwood said, I got to get him more carries. And he is a guy throughout his career that he's actually gotten better the more he gets the ball. He had a, a Liberty Bowl game a couple years ago against Oklahoma State where I think he had 25 carries. And he ended that season, actually, because Demaria Crockett was injured with like 20 carries in five or six straight games. And he just seemed to be better the more he ran because he's not a breakaway speed guy um he's he's more of you know he's not going to have a ton of 20 yard runs i mean that that kentucky game he averaged 3.4 a carry Mm -hmm. but he just constantly was getting three yards four yards six yards you know and moving the chains um and yeah 37 is obviously more than missouri would like and drink with stuff this week he's he's got a ease off that a little bit and use Tyler Beatty a little bit more in the running game who who has done some really good things offensively is that change of pace back as well but Roundtree is clearly kind of the heartbeat of the offense Gabe there has been one wide receiver show out versus Florida in every game this season for each team that they've played if there's one wide receiver for the Tigers that could continue that trend who might that be well, I think their top guy is Jalen Knox. He's a, a junior, played really well the first half of this true freshman year a couple of years ago, and then just kind of fell off the radar. Really didn't do much, and and I, I think a lot of that was the fact that Derek Dooley was the offensive coordinator. They didn't get great quarterback play. I'm not sure his relationship with Dooley was great from everything I've been told, but this offense, Jalen Knox and Tyler Beatty are the two players on this team who should love this offense. A lot of misdirection. A, Knox gets the ball quite a bit on on jet sweeps and in kind of in unconventional receiver ways. Um, he's been the one guy that's been there every game for Missouri. Uh, Damon Hazelton, grad transfer from Virginia Tech. Most people thought he'd be the number one wideout. Struggled the first game. Uh, had a couple drops, then was out for a game with quarantine. Came back and, and was pretty good last week against uh, against Kentucky. Um, but I, I think Knox is the the main guy you've got to – if you're going to worry about one guy, that's the guy. Now, Missouri also, like I said, they had a bunch of backups. They had walk-ons and converted quarterbacks and guys that, frankly, nobody expected anything out of doing stuff against LSU. So, you know, it's a – it's um, Almost looks to me like an offense where it's like, yeah, just put some guys there, receiver. We'll we'll get them open. Gave me what a performance last week by by the Tigers' defense as they set a school record for fewest yards allowed in an SEC game by only giving up 145 yards to Kentucky. Uh, A different style of game coming up versus Florida. But uh, are there things you take away from that performance moving uh, moving forward for the Tigers? Well, I think you take some confidence out of it. But look. I take, and I don't want to take too much credit away from Missouri because you hold an SEC team to 36 plays for 145 yards. You've done something well. That was a Kentucky offensive line that felt like it was one of the best in the SEC, and it, it never looked like it. But Kentucky does not have a, a quarterback that can go win you SEC football games. You know, uh, they, they're not suiting up Kyle Trask back there. Um, and, and frankly, his weapons on the outside aren't, aren't anywhere near what Florida's is. So are there some things you can take away? Yes. Um, but this weekend is going to be significantly different. Right, right. Then uh, one player we have to single out on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker Nick Bolton, coming off seven tackle performance last week and where he earned SEC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Six versus the Gators last season. But you know, so far this season, uh, attacking machine again, 43 total tackles, 32 solo, 
8 versus Alabama, 17 versus Tennessee, 11 versus LSU, mentioned the 7 versus Kentucky last week. Seems like no matter the 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 style of opposing offense, Bolton is in there on the action. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's a first-team All-SEC, if not first-team All-American guy at the end of this year, I think. Um, way back in camp before his freshman year, uh, somebody on the staff told me if he doesn't have a similar career to Kentrell Brothers, who was a Missouri linebacker in about 2015, um, you know, second, first or second team All-SEC got drafted by the Vikings. They said if he's not as good as Kentrell Brothers by the time he leaves here, then we haven't done our jobs. Um, and he's every bit of that. Um, he, he basically for two weeks – if the play wasn't made by Nick Bolton, the play wasn't made. I mean, after the Tennessee game, there were some fans that, that said, man, Bolton missed three tackles, and, and I don't think he played great. Well, he had 18. I mean, he can't he can't make legitimately every play. He has to get some help, and he started getting some help the last couple of weeks, which has obviously been the big difference. And then, Gabe, to, to wrap it up here, your thoughts on Florida? You know, you're playing an opponent now that he's pretty much had two weeks of, of no football, three weeks Correct. since they've played their last game. Uh, you know, so going back and looking at Florida's first three games and and now some time off. What are your takeaways from the Gators? Well, m- my first thought is kind of like we were talking about before we started recording this. I mean, who's playing for Florida? Um, I what team am I going to see? Mm-hmm. Right? Am, am I seeing the team that played three weeks ago? Is this a completely different team? Uh, not just in personnel, but how did the layoff affect them? I mean, we've seen, you know, you could see a situation where they come out and look like a team that couldn't practice for two weeks. But you look at the NFL, uh, Tennessee had all kinds yeah. of problems. People were wondering if they were even going to play. Then they go up and whip Buffalo. Uh, it, sometimes you heal up and, and it might help you a little bit. Uh, so I don't know at all what to expect out of Florida other than assuming they're relatively healthy. Uh, I mean, in terms of personnel, like most of their a lot of their important guys play, then I think you've got to go into this game. If you're Missouri figuring you're going to have to score in the 30s to win the game. I mean, you're not you're not going to hold the ball for 43 minutes and beat Florida 20 to 10. Right. You're going to have to do what A&M did and score with them. Uh, But again, this year, I think every year is a lot. What you do one Saturday doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with what you do the next Saturday, but this year's even more so. I mean, we're waiting until Friday mornings to find out who's even going to play or if teams are going to play every week. Everything is so different. It's uh, trying to pick games this year. I I said week one, if you're gambling on games this year, like you need an 800 number. You you got problems (laughs) if you're gambling this year. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Gabe, man. Thank you very much for this preview of the Missouri Tigers. You can find Gabe at powermizzou.com on the Rivals Network. And uh, thank you once again for hopping on Gators Breakdown. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me. Football season is also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse, named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket, Man, I love me some brisket and got to have some ribs, too. Get those home-style sides and fresh-baked desserts at any of Four River Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate-ready, so you can spend more time watching the game, tailgating. You don't have to worry about the grill. Enjoy the party of six packages for $55 or the party of 12 packages for $99. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, home-style sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. Not a lot of time left. Now through October 31st, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store, online, or by phone using promo code 
Gators Breakdown. So Gators, whether you live in Gainesville or just in town for the game, swing by Four Rivers, Gainesville, located in Butler Plaza. If you're tailgating at home in the Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four Rivers Smokehouse. All right, even more on this Missouri Tigers, as I said earlier in the episode. Two and two on the season with losses to Alabama 38-19 and to Tennessee 35-12. But they've bounced back the last two games with a shootout win versus LSU 45-41 and a grind-out win versus Kentucky 20-10. Look, after getting gashed on the ground by Tennessee for 232 yards, they've bounced back um, the last couple of games to hold uh, LSU and Kentucky to a combined 144 yards rushing the ball. So 232 yards given up uh, to Tennessee, but then the last two games, only 144 yards rushed against this Missouri defense. So you know, it could be tough for the, for, for the Gators to run the ball, but in games versus opponents, you might compare to Florida as far as style and talent. You know, Alabama and LSU have had success through the air. Alabama passed for 303 yards before they went pretty conservative in the second half as the game was pretty won, was won pretty early on uh, there. And then LSU, Miles Brennan threw for 430 yards uh, on the Missouri defense. So you know, Florida would need to run in spots. I mean, we talked about that plenty uh, in situational football, but this game will more than likely be won through the air with Kyle Trask. <laughs> no surprise there. You know, and hopefully the, the past game is in sync as it has been all year. Uh, and Florida can put up some, some early points. Uh, I think that's going to be imperative uh, for, for, for Florida in this game. You know, and the player besides um, you know, uh, uh, Nick Bolton that we talked about earlier to, to watch on this Tigers defense, safety Joshua Bledsoe. Uh, and and, and you know, when we talk about you know, Florida having to make plays uh, in the passing game, you know, this safety here uh, in Bledsoe, each of Missouri's last two games, both of the wins, Bledsoe has made the game-winning defensive play. Against LSU, it was his fourth down pass breakup uh, on LSU quarterback Miles Brennan as he was looking for Terrace Marshall in the end zone uh, from the one-yard line. And, and Bledsoe jumped the route, knocked the ball down to seal that win for Missouri. And then against Kentucky last week, with Missouri up 10 points late, uh, Kentucky completed a pass on the first down and Bledsoe made the tackle. And in the process of that tackle, he ripped the ball away uh, from wide receiver Josh Ali for Kentucky for a fumble. They gave the ball back to Missouri. They milked the clock the rest of the game. So if it's a tight game late, Bledsoe's going to be that guy that you really have to watch out for and him trying to make another clutch play uh, late in the game uh, for the Tigers. So it's kind of – and look, for, for the Florida offense, I think you know, we, we want to see – Going back to, to LSU and, and, and Alabama, maybe even some more plays down the field. You know, we're, we're looking at maybe uh, and another player to get involved. You know, whether that be Trevon Grimes or, or Jacob Copeland or, or another receiver. We know Kyle to Kyle and Kyle to Kadarius is a thing right now. That's the Florida offense. And I still think Florida's going to have to pass the ball to win this game, especially given Missouri's improvement in stopping the run. And, you know, I think Florida will get creative uh, in the run game with Naquan right a bit more as well. Uh, and, and, look, you know, Florida's got has, has proven so far this year that they've been able to replace LaMichael Piran's production a bit from running backs in the passing game. And, you know, it was one big question I had coming into this season. And I, I think, you know, for ways for this offense to stay on the field a bit more if they can't run the ball is still to get these running backs involved in the passing game. Swing routes, use some short, you know, angle routes for for the running backs as well to keep the chains moving. Maybe keep the offense on the field a bit more. Uh, for you know, it, it's easier for them to stay on the field 
you know, longer for the game and, and not get as tired as the defense. And I think the defense is going to have to have some breaks. And I think this Florida offense is going to have some play, have to play some situational football a bit to kind of help fatigue uh, along the way coming after COVID. And this Florida offense can't run the ball. I still look for the Florida running backs to have a big impact in, in this game through the air there. So moving to the other side of the ball on, on defense, <laughs> Guys, here we go. Get ready for third down again. <laughs> and Missouri in the last two games since uh, Basilak took over at quarterback, they're 19 of 35 on third down for 54% conversion percentage. Florida has given up 59% third down chances this season. So not a good recipe coming in for this Gators defense. You know, we're watching third down no matter the opponent. But Missouri is coming off pretty good performances there. Now, as I mentioned earlier in this week, you know, if there's one thing Todd Grant has been able to do in his time at Florida is take advantage of young, inexperienced quarterbacks. And Basilak, you know, Connor Basilak only has three starts under his belt, two this season, one last season, but he's playing well. And he's really helped this Tigers offense in his three starts. His stat line as follows. 3-0, 57 of 73. So he's 78% in completing his passes right now, as I said, that has kind of been boosted up by the LSU game, but he's he's playing good, smart football. 687 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. So he's taking care of the ball, pretty much doing what he's asked to do in this offense. Was As we've mentioned plenty of times, you heard Gabe earlier, if it's a shootout, he played well in that. If it's a you know, uh, slobber knocker, knockdown, drag out game, he's not turning the ball over to put the uh, defense in bad spots and, and keeping that offense on the field. So He's he, he's been adaptable, uh, you know. So against LSU, and making plays all over the field, Ken, Kentucky with an old school approach, and it's just uh, you know he he's been key in, in, in getting Missouri the wins there. So against LSU, if you want to go back a, a couple weeks ago and look, I mean LSU's defense has been pretty much like Florida's all season long, and Basilite was twenty nine of thirty five for four hundred six yards, four touchdowns. Averaged 11.6 yards per attempt, 14 yards per completion. Six of the eight pass catchers against LSU had a long grab of 20-plus yards, including three of 40-plus yards. So, you know, as Basilak was asked to stretch the field and exploit LSU secondary, can he do the same versus a struggling pass defense for Florida, who's looked a lot like LSU? So hopefully, you know, we saw LSU make some changes last week uh, a bit when they played South Carolina. Hopefully we see some changes uh, for Florida this week, and, and it helps in the same fashion. But against Kentucky last week, Basilak was, you know, quote-unquote game manager. <laughs> 21 of 30 for 201 yards, 6.7 yards per attempt, so a big cry from what we saw against LSU. 9.5 yards per completion, and look, big, big change there. But, you know, they were Missouri was letting them just play with, within that, and he made the plays when they counted. On 16 third and fourth down attempts, when Basilak was called upon to make the play, Missouri converted 10 of those 16 chances. Basilak was 10 of 11 for 96 yards, seven first downs on those 11 attempts there. So 10 of 11, and he was... We went for 96 yards, seven first downs. He also rushed for 21 yards on four carries and three first downs. So he, he's got some legs. Uh, so Florida will have to have to watch on that. He's not a burner by any means, but he can move. He's mobile. 
And, you know, this, this, this is something Todd Grantson is just going to have to do. You've had success in the past versus quarterbacks with little experience, and you have to make Basilak beat you. Because if not, and, and, or and if, you know, if Round Cheetah is the running back is able to pound away for yards, then you know, Florida's chances for this, winning this game gets much tougher. Because Basilak's proven he can go make plays by himself. But also, if the running game is working, it's just going to help him versus a defensive coordinator who's proven that he can have some success versus some young quarterbacks. So I, I think Missouri is going to have to run the ball or, you know, that maybe does fall into Todd Grantham's lap a little bit in, 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 versus an inexperienced quarterback. So basically, like we heard it you know, before, got to rehash it again. 37 attempts last week, 126 yards, two touchdowns. They're not eye-popping stats, but a Gator defense has also struggled versus the run and may not be the best conditioned team right now with two weeks off post-COVID symptoms, and you may not have every player you want available. You know, there's a big chance this game plan for Missouri is to, is to be fine with three yards and a cloud of dust and just make big plays when they have to in the passing game, control the game with short runs as, you know, as long as they're converting third downs there. So you know, I'm not sure if Florida can, can hold up in a game like that given, some, given the circumstances. So to me, both sides of the ball. I mean, but a fast start on defense to give the offense – all the early possessions they need to put up, put up points and build a lead. Make Missouri fight from behind, it, to me, is a, is a must in this game, given the circumstances. And that's how I see this game going. I think it looks a lot like the old Miss game. I think we may see some, some better defense from Florida early on, given some personnel changes and, and hopefully some, you know, some, some changing uh, style of play. But I do worry about withering away uh, as the game moves on and, and Missouri makes a comeback late. So, you know, it's hard to predict how all this plays out. You know, given all the circumstances surrounding Florida right now, but I'll give the Gators a 37-27 victory. And look, but that that is assuming the offense picks up where it left off. If it doesn't, uh, Florida Florida's losing this game uh, to me. I, I I just don't see the defense being able to hold up late in a in, in a close game. I think some of the changes we may see will help the defense early on and. To me, that's why I think that the offense has to score early. But, you know, if the offense does it, I, I don't think the defense will hold up long enough to pull out a win. Just so much uncertainty <laughs> to go along there. So I, it just, I, I really, really, really think Florida has to put up some points early. And that's, the to me, uh, the path to victory. I'd, I'd like to be wrong uh, with that. I hope Florida can win any style. I, I hope that's what we see. But if it, to me, if it's a knockdown, drag out, slug, slug type of game that you know Missouri and Kentucky played last week, I'm just not really totally sure the Florida defense can hold on for four quarters, given all the circumstances out there. So I asked everybody what their expectations were uh, on, on Twitter, and I'll get into uh, a few of them right here, give a feedback as well. So uh, Rap says, tech, uh, at Technologic says, the defense needs to make stops. We need at least a couple of three or five and outs, and the offense needs to open up a bit more. I want to see a couple more downfield shots if possible. We have the speed on the outside to accomplish this now. Yeah, I agree, yeah, and it's, it is twofold, and I, I did kind of mention that in my little short preview here as well. Yeah, I, I think situational football in this game is going to be more important than, than in the past. If Florida can slow down the ball, still get the yards, still get the points, then do it to help your defense out. But also, to me, you, the, the object is to score points. And so, you know, you don't take points off the board if, if the quickest way to if the best way to score is a two minute drive, then by all means do it 
But if you can, if you have the ability to, slow the game down at points, run the ball if you can, slow the game down, help your defense out, keep them off the field. <laughs> and uh, that's just, uh, just, a, just, a, just a way it needs to go there. Um, there we go. Dog barking. Kind of going crazy right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brandon Tenney says the offense to pick up where they left off and a slight increase on the defensive side of the ball with them being in more natural spots with Campbell coming back. I don't think it can be stated enough. And maybe I'm, I'm not looking at it enough. I know I have stressed it a, a good bit uh, for this defense to, hey, Campbell coming back should put some people in, in, in their more natural positions. And maybe that helps more, you know, th- this week than I'll give it credit for. Uh, but there's just so much uncertainty. I, I don't know. I, I, this really is a guessing game this week uh, of what's going to turn out. It, it will help, as I said. It's just I think eventually, given post-COVID, given everything, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how great a shape the trenches are on offense and defense. So build a lead. Now, I really think it helps, even in defensive trenches with Campbell coming back. He's not played a lot of ball himself this year. So what kind of shape personally is he in by himself? Can he go out there and play four quarters if he needs to? So you know, a, a lot of conditioning questions <laughs> right now all across the team, and especially somebody for like Campbell who hasn't played a snap yet this year uh, for the Gators. Um Let's see, Morgan at uh, Georgia Gator 02. I'm assuming that's what the GA stands for here. Says, obviously a much improved defensive performance would be expected, but that remains to be seen. I think something to look out for is how the offense responds after the unexpected bye weeks. Would they pick up where they left off or would they look sluggish? And that is another magic question (laughs) for this week. As I mentioned on Monday's episode, Florida has been able to come out and score on the very first possession uh, of every game so far and go back to the first game of the season when you hadn't played a game since December and you went out there and scored your touchdown uh, on the very first drive and the offense was in sync from the get-go. Hopefully that's kind of the same case here. You, you've had two weeks off. It'll be three weeks since you've played a game. You know, a lot more, uh, a lot shorter time than what we saw um, from the offseason, from December to late September. So hopefully in practice this week, they can get that sinking offense a bit, hit the ground running, and Florida start scoring you know, from the get-go again uh, with another game here. Uh, Arnold, uh, that Arnold guy 01, says, I expect a sluggish and nasty game. Think the Gators win going away, but it's going to take some time getting there. And Arnold, I hope you're right, man. Uh, that's, that's kind of the opposite of I see. If it's a, if it's a knockdown, drag-out, slugfest type of game late, I don't like Florida's chances there. I, I would if circumstances were normal. But with this team, I, I just think – and maybe I'm putting too much into it. I don't know. Like I said, it's a guessing game. I just – I am afraid of, you know, the, the withering away here uh, because of uh, COVID the last couple of weeks and not necessarily, you know, the team being in, in, in the best um, in the best conditioning given all the circumstances here. Um, Gator Girl 888, uh, Anne McQuinn, thanks for uh, – Sending me your thoughts here. She goes, I honestly have no idea what to expect with so much time off. Join the party with me. So, but I'm optimistic that the offense picks up right where they left off. If even after a slow start, I'm praying for any improvement at all on defense. And Will Hand Robinson at Ken's Gator says, I expect more pressure and better coverage. I am worried about a 53-man roster there. Like I said, I, I do expect some something different on defense. It may be by necessity because I don't know who you're going to have available. 
<laughs> this game when you go out there, but I expect some personnel changes anyway uh, going out there. But yeah, I'm worried about that 53-man roster as well. Who are you going to have available? With as many players that got hit, you know, six more uh, last week as well. With many, 31 throughout October. So I don't think you're going to be in the best shape. There are post-COVID symptoms of, of fatigue out there still as well. But who are you going to have available? Of course, with as many people that got hit, as many players that got hit for the Gators, of course there's probably going to be a, a position group or two or three that got hit hard. And if it's offensive line and defensive line, are those guys going to be able to hold up in the trenches for, for an entire game? Or if it's a secondary who's already struggled this year, and you know, that's one place a lot of people want to see a lot of changes anyway. So maybe it works out in Florida's favor, but you still have to worry about depth <laughs> at points there from a team that I don't think is going to be very well conditioned after, after two weeks off. So you know, going to that point, you know, who do you have available is probably the biggest question Florida has uh, as, they, as they prepare for Missouri uh, during the week and, and the game themselves. Gator CPA says, I expect to be sweating, uh, swearing at the defense throughout, sweating the outcome until midway through the fourth, at which the time the offense will pull a game out of reach and secure the W. Josh Horton says, don't expect an overpowering performance. Don't be surprised to see Florida struggle. Fact is, most of these young men just had a virus. Regardless of corona or not, it takes a toll on the body. I don't see any of them being full 100%. They'll win based on talent and coaching. So that, I mean, all, all, all that's valid <laughs> there. And uh, you know, hopefully, as I said, put up some points early. You may struggle as the game goes on. much Kind of make it look like the Ole Miss game a bit. But maybe the reason you fall off, not necessarily because of bad defense or bad play, just mainly because you don't have much left to give in, in that fourth quarter. Build your lead, make Missouri play from behind, and you just may outscore them in the end. And Trevor O'Neill says, not expecting much, just survive in advance. Gators will have to overcome a lot lack of practice, lots of distractions. Missouri is confident they can play keep away after what they did to Kentucky. Gators cannot, uh, Gators cannot let Roundtree dictate the pace of the game. Agree with, with every bit of that, and that's what I, I want to see here too, just survive in advance. For, for this game, I don't care if it's a 7-6 win, a 13-10 win, a 42 to 41 win. Get out of this game and, and prepare for Georgia. Get your roster back in, in, in the best shape possible it can be in for the game in Jacksonville versus Georgia. Get somehow, get a win over, over Missouri. And look, I don't, I don't want to sit here and claim Missouri just, this is some great team and, you know, and Florida's going to have trouble it, just because it's Missouri. No, it's because it's, it's more about Florida for me. What shape is Florida in? If, if, if Florida comes out and, and plays their best, they're going to win the game. If Florida's able to come out here and give their best, they're going to win this game. But it's just a question of all that stuff coming together and given everything Florida's had to deal with. And I don't want to use it too much as an excuse, but it's the truth. It's the truth right now. And we got, we'll have to see how the game plays out before we can kind of go back and look at it and maybe identify some of the problems if Florida loses or, or wins a close game. But... If Florida wins, I'll, I'll be happy <laughs> given everything that's going on so far. I'll be happy with any kind of win the Gators can walk out with uh, Saturday. And then ATX Gators says, I expect the offense to be rusty after two weeks of no practice. I expect the defense to continue to struggle based on lack of practice and the, form and the performance we have seen. I don't have a good feeling about this game. It's just hard to be confident. Totally confident uh, about this game. I think if everything was normal, absolutely you feel confident. Uh, but you just 
you know, there, there's just so, so many questions, so many questions. And before we wrap up, let's take a look around the SEC for this October 31st slate here. Some okay games uh, here. I know everybody with, that, with, with Florida being a night game, you get to watch Georgia and Kentucky early on as that's the noon game on the SEC Network. So Georgia and Kentucky, Georgia had a bye week last week. Dealing with a couple of minor, minor injuries as well. How did they bounce back after uh, getting beat by Alabama a couple of weeks ago? How did Kentucky bounce back after uh, getting pounded by, by uh, Georgia or not uh, by Missouri uh, last week? You have uh, rumors of Joey Gatewood maybe getting the start for Kentucky as well. So interesting game there. Um, it was a downpour game last year in, in, in the crazy rain and Kentucky. You know, Georgia's played one physical, wants to run, hard-nosed team in Tennessee already. Kentucky probably a little better at that, but we'll see uh, if they're able to, to kind of bounce back a, a bit after some disappointing performances on offense. LSU and Auburn's the 330 CBS game this week. Uh, can LSU keep it going now <laughs> with everything after their big win over South Carolina last week? Auburn gets the win over Ole Miss last week, so both teams coming off victories uh, there and but this is what it's usually a, a pretty good game uh, when you go back and look at it uh, given recent history so LSU Auburn that game's at 330 Ole Miss Vanderbilt at four o'clock um, not much to look at there Ole Miss should be able to uh, score as many points as they as they probably want in, in that game going away Mississippi State at Alabama and that one's not going to be pretty at all and uh, Alabama would just be now they have a week to get everything in order from you know Jalen Waddle being out for for the rest of the year, Mississippi State's not a very good team right now. Doesn't have it going under Mike Leach. Wasn't able to build on that LSU win in the first game of the season. But that game's ESPN seven o'clock. Mississippi State at Alabama. Texas A&M is back this week playing Arkansas, and that, that's a sneaky game there. I say that's a game I'd be really interested uh, in keeping up with around the same time Florida plays. Of course, that's a seven thirty main SEC network game. Florida's on SEC network alternate at 7.30 as well, but Arkansas, Texas A&M, both teams I think had bye weeks last week of uh, and getting back together now. Can Texas A&M continue their role? Can Arkansas continue uh, to be that kind of Cinderella darling SEC team uh, right now? Felipe Frank's playing pretty good. Uh, so this is uh, you're looking at before the season you wouldn't have pretty much any game <laughs> with Arkansas, you weren't really looking at uh, as a game that you really want to watch. But this is a, you know, if they upset Texas A&M, you got to start looking at Arkansas as one of the top tier SEC West teams if, if they can upset Texas A&M here. So that's a very interesting storyline game, I think. Texas A&M, Arkansas, 7.30, the same time as Florida hosting Missouri. 7.30, SEC Network alternate for Florida and Missouri. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs>